How are you? I am good. How are you been? I'm busy as can be, but I'm I'm managing. Right. (laughs) Uh, You got a a lot going on. Yeah. A lot going on right now, Um, just work-wise and everything. um, I'm studying for a licensing exam that I have to do tomorrow in addition to the fact that there's just not enough hours in the day to get everything done that I need to get done yeah I know that feeling (laughs) (laughs) but anyhow let's go ahead and uh get started um so I just wanted to welcome everybody to another episode of unlikely allies I am Jamie, and this is my co-host, Michelle, and we met through some very unlikely circumstances. I was married to a monster for 17 and a half years, only to find out deep into the marriage that he is a diagnosed narcissist and sex addict. We divorced after years of his infidelity, verbal, emotional, sexual, financial, and physical abuse. Michelle was involved in a relationship with a man she believed was her person. He was kind, nurturing, and honest, and she truly felt that she was in the best relationship that she had been in and was even considering the possibility of marriage. He had been pretty persistent in asking her until, and you guessed it, it was the same man. So we formed an unlikely friendship joined forces and used that trauma or were using that trauma to educate others about narcissistic abuse and spreading awareness. Um, Learning from us uh, the signs that we missed and what we would do differently. And most of all, we're active in the domestic violence survivor community here on this podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And with that, I will let Michelle um, do our disclaimer. Thank you. Um, great intro, by the way. I like that. Okay. So our podcast is about a diagnosed narcissist and sex addict. We do talk about sensitive topics that may trigger or offend some people. We discuss graphically different types of abuse and instances that led to his multiple charges in two Virginia counties. This suitable for children and also we cuss. (laughs) (laughs) all right so tonight's topic we are going to talk about hoovering and for those that don't know what would you describe as hoovering i would say that it's the attempt um by the narcissist to regain control that they have lost or are losing Right. Um, I guess the best way that I could describe it is a Hoover vacuum sucking you back in. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that, um, that's usually the most common term that people use. And it is, like Michelle said, when they have lost uh, control over their supply and they will use any attempts possible to suck us back into their abusive control um cycle i guess you can call it um and both of us experienced that um i can say that i experienced it repeatedly over the time that we were married both um when he was caught cheating and also when he uh, assaulted our child 
five years ago. And then um, additionally, while he was incarcerated for that assault on said child, and he did it to you, um, when exactly, Michelle? Um, I want to say, because I can't remember the exact date in May, but it began like roughly two weeks after I kicked him out. Okay, yeah. Just um, before the, the actual stalking and all the real craziness. <laughs> right, right. Um, and we'll get into that in just a bit because I have some questions in regards to that because I I'm wondering if some of that hoovering didn't start the day that you confronted him but um I don't want to like jump ahead either so right, right, right. <laughs> um I guess for me I to give a, a description of some of the hoovering that I dealt with um you know if you have listened to our podcast for a little bit you know that my um ex-husband repeatedly uh, cheated on me with multiple women. And um, when I caught him for the first time, he had already had multiple affairs and he did not, um, he, he didn't tell me about all the previous affairs. He would only, um, he would basically only Anything that I caught him doing is what he would admit to. Otherwise, he would never admit it on his own. I had to have actually had proof in order for him to admit any of it. So when I did find out about that first affair, um, he spent the next year lying to me. And I felt that at the time, I was like, I know there's something going on. I know he's lying to me. I just thought maybe he was lying about the depth of his relationship with that person. And I found out a year later that no, he was lying about multiple, multiple affairs and how he would Hoover me is, I guess, honestly, several different ways. He would, you know, beg for my forgiveness and he would, one of his biggest tactics that he liked to use a lot was, um, he would say that like he was a piece of shit, he was worthless, he was nothing, um, and everybody in his life has just, you know, basically abandoned him. And so he would prey on my emotional empathy. Mm -hmm. And that worked a lot, especially like, you know, the the night that I did confront him about the cheating the first time, you know, he played that whole victim role and sucked me back in into having sex with him to make him feel better for him cheating on me, which I look back and I just kind of shake my head, you know, like, I can't believe I fell for that. Um, yeah. But he would also like, you know, I, I love you. I only love you. I only want to be with you. Um, and when I would ask him, well, then how come you're cheating on me? And he would be, I don't know. I can't help it. Uh, I have an addiction, um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, most of the hoovering while we were married um, were just empty promises. Um, he would admit to some things, but not to other things, unless I, again, had proof of it. And he would promise that, you know, I'm going to go um, get help for my sex addiction. I'm going to go to therapy and get help for my anger management issues. Um, I'm going to do therapy with you so we can work on our marriage. And he made all these promises to me, like, 
yes, I do want to work on our marriage and I'm going to put in every effort possible. I'm going to read all these books you give me and I'm going to answer every question that you have and whatnot. But then actions never lined up with that or what actions he did do, like going to therapy and things like that. Um, it was, it was all lies. It was, it was all complete lies. Nothing was truthful when we're in the therapist or anything, what he was actually using therapy was to find out where I was vulnerable so he could exploit that further and manipulate me further. And, you know, it was just, it was years of empty promises, but because I loved him, I desperately wanted to believe it. And so, you know, I tried, I was like, you know, I need, I should stay for the kids or I should, stay because he's just he's just a broken addict and he needs somebody to help him um and i thought if i stayed with him that it would fix him um yeah that was a lot of i think <laughs> just that was yeah it was almost like it was a constant hoovering i i can't like i don't think there was a time after i found out about the affairs that he ever wasn't trying to hoover me with false promises and things of that nature um yeah he didn't know how long you know you would stay he you know he knew you had he had you but he wasn't sure for how long right and so after the last affair which got him fired and arrested for sexual battery because he got um involved with an inmate inappropriately at the jail that he worked at. And given that he was a corrections officer, that is illegal. An inmate is not able to consent. Even if they say they're consenting, they're legally not able to give consent. Um, and I had enough. And so I kicked him out. And that's when he started just losing it completely. And that hoovering went like to a hundred times um, at first he stayed with a friend for a couple of weeks and it was constant, constant texting, constant phone calls, constant promises of, I'm going to do better. I'm going to, you know, I'm so sorry that it took me this long to hit bottom and see the real truth. You've been trying to tell me for years and I just wouldn't listen to you. And again, it was all the same false promises. And this time I wasn't listening to it. And I wasn't responding that, yeah, sure, you know, I'll give you another chance, you know. And so he escalated and started, you know, threatening suicide. Um, I had to drive him to and from the police station when he had to give his statement and when he actually got arrested. And as I was driving him back to the friend's house to stay, um, he opened the car door and acted like he was going to jump out of it to, to attempt suicide. And he knew that I was like, you know, oh, hey, the kids still need a father, even if I don't love you. Um, so that would prey again on my emotional empathy. And yeah, that, that few weeks before the assault happened, um, he was just constantly I'm a piece of shit. I should leave this world and leave you and the kids without all this burden that I am. And it was just this constant barrage of what he wanted, what he felt, what he felt he needed, but it was never about what the kids or I needed 
in no. order to heal, you know? Unfortunately, I know. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, he his friends kicked him out and I let him come back home and stay in my daughter's room for a couple of weeks. And I guess in his mind, that was me telling him that he was getting another chance, which it wasn't. And I made that clear when he came back that I was not, you know, this wasn't another chance, but he didn't have another place to live. So I felt like obligated and yeah. it got to the point where he started becoming demanding of me again and started um, trying to control me again. And like the day I had taken one of my children out, just my child and I, and he started texting me like constantly demanding to know where I was, who I was with, what I was doing. And I was like, you know what? I've had it. So the next day I went and I sold our wedding rings. I took all the money from our tax return, moved it into an account um, in my name only. And I was like, you've got to leave, get out. I'm done. And at first he refused and locked himself in my daughter's room and was basically throwing a fit in there. Like he was throwing his phone and, you know, just like acting like he was going to do something to himself right then and there. And at that point I was no longer moved by these attempts. And so I told him, I was like, look, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the police and they're going to make you leave. And that's how I finally got him out. And I let his mom know that he was on his way. And during the couple weeks that he was staying with his mother, it was again, the constant text messages, the phone calls, and he started escalating further. Like he started threatening to call the police on me. He started threatening to call CPS um, and tell them that I was a bad mother and that I was, um, you know, being abusive to my children and things like that. Um, he started, I think he was doing this. This was his attempt at a Hoover. Like if I threaten to take the kids away, then she's going to let me come back home out of fear. Yeah. Which I don't know why you would want a relationship based on fear. I, I don't understand how that's okay in his mind. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So don't you, wouldn't you rather have like a loving relationship rather than someone who is forced to stay with you because she's afraid of you, you know? Healthy people, yeah, but for him, obviously, it's the control, so he doesn't give a shit how you feel as long as he gets what he wants. Exactly, exactly. And so it was just all these threats constantly. Um, he would accuse me of planning my great escape long before he had been arrested. And I'm like, at the time I was like, no, not, nothing. Ha like he would say in, in text messages and things like that. Oh, you've been planning this since the summer. You've been planning leaving on leaving me since the summer. And I was like, um, actually, no, I thought we were in a good place because things appeared to be going well. We were in a good spot in our marriage or so I thought um, we just got past Christmas only to find out that you got arrested for hooking up with an inmate at work so how was I planning this when you hadn't even done that you know what I mean yeah uh, but again he was trying to make himself the victim and blame me 
um, for everything. So then, as we all know, he got arrested for assaulting my child, um, which I believe was another attempt at fear to control me through fear. And I don't think he expected that we would call the police and have him arrested. And I don't think he expected that if he were to get arrested, that they would hold him over until trial. And that's where he was wrong. Obviously (laughs) he didn't do his research um, because at the time the uh, County that we lived in had recently upgraded strangulation to become a felony. Um, And if he had done his research, he probably wouldn't have done that, but he didn't. And so he went into jail and I had no more contact with him for, I would say, eight months um, other than seeing him in court. And by that time, you and the kids are starting to get adjusted and getting those feelings of, holy shit, we're not walking on eggshells anymore. Yes, yes, very much. And so he decided to use his mom as an attempt to Hoover and attempt to threaten and control me again through fear. And his mother filed for visitation through the county. And I was so angry. I was so, so angry because number one, she'd never even reached out to even ask how the children were, much less asked to visit them. Because, you know, technically I didn't have a problem with her seeing our children because I know, you know, somewhere deep down inside, she did love them. And I I wasn't trying to keep the kids from her or my ex-husband. The only reason he was being kept away is because he was in jail. And the only reason she was being kept away is because she had never asked. She never even asked to see how they were doing or, you know, if we needed anything, if they need anything, then next thing I know is I'm being served with paperwork that she's filing for visitation. And so at that time, I, you know, I, I, of course, I called my parents. I'm I'm a total mess and a wreck. And I still had his stuff in my house at that time. And so my dad came down and he was like, we're just going to take the stuff over to his parents' house or to his mom's house. We're going to drop it off. And while I was there, you know, dropping stuff off, she was like, you know, can we talk? And I'm, I'm, I was I was already in tears because I was just, there was so much emotionally going on. And she looked at me and she's like, when did I become the enemy? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about because number one, I've never even made you the enemy. So I don't know what you're talking about, but clearly when you filed papers to get visitation for kids that you haven't even asked about, then that's clearly putting yourself as the enemy right there. And we ended up having like a talk and she was telling me how he was doing. Cause I asked at that point, again, I mean, I was married to this man for 17 and a half years and a part of me at that point still loved him. And I was like, I, I wanted to know how he was doing. I wanted to know if he was okay. Yeah. And so she gave me kind of like a little update and I gave her kind of like an, uh, an update on the kids, how they were doing. And I was like, I have no problems with you seeing them why couldn't you just ask me? And um, so we ended up arranging a time for her to see the youngest and um, the others weren't comfortable with it yet. And I was like, I have no problem, but I want to be there. Let's get this set up and we'll go out to eat or something like that. 
And at that time, I also told her that my ex-husband could write me a letter. He couldn't write the kids because there was a protective order, so he wasn't allowed to do that. So I said he could write me if, if he wanted, and I would read it. I didn't agree to respond to it or anything like that, but I would read it. And so, of course, a couple days later, I get a four-page letter in the mail um, with a little note on top saying, oh, I had already started to write you these, so I just decided to go ahead and send them all to you. And I actually have a copy of them and they're, they're in front of me right now. And it was four pages, basically talking about himself and what he wanted, what he wanted with our relationship, begging me for another chance, um, telling me that he was going to go do more therapy and that he has finally hit bottom and that jail has woken him up and that he was on medication now and um, he was on medication before. So I don't know what the fuck he was talking about there, um, but that he, you know, it was all full of this, like, I, I'm still taking both of my medications and they make me feel a lot better. I don't know why suddenly in jail, they made him feel better. I don't know. Um, he's <laughs> like, I'm, it's like, it, it makes no sense, but okay. You know? <laughs> Um, he's like, I'm grateful for them because they're allowing me to be a different person. Um, I'm not nearly as irritable anymore. I remember a lot more too. Um, cause that was something he would always say to me, like, you never told me that you never told me that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did. You just don't remember it. Uh -huh. um, he would also say, or he also said, I did not really, I did not realize how bad I really was to you and the kids. And I regret my actions of yelling so much at you all. I love how he says, I regret my actions. Cause he said that in his letter to you. Mm -hmm. It's like the same exact thing. Oh yeah. There's a lot, Cause I've seen yours. There's so many similarities. Like he may well have copied and pasted. Yes, yes. Cause like and and in this letter, he's like, you know, please be open-minded when you read this. I am at a loss of words. I regret everything that has happened to us, you and our family. I mentally beat up myself over it every day. You and our family did not deserve to have your lives turned upside down. I acted out when it cost me more than I ever thought possible. I am sorry. Um, then he goes into, I am not angry or mad at you or C, the child that he assaulted. I am mad and angry at myself. You and the kids are what I live for. And not being there with you all has destroyed me. I have had lots of time to think about everything. Huh? Sorry river <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly um i've had lots of time to think about everything and i cry all the time especially at night when i think of the boys and you and how much i miss you and how much you all mean to me i've been reading book and the newspaper then he goes into like what he's been doing to pass his time which do i really care no no not at all dude you assaulted your own child. I don't care that you're reading magazines and newspapers. Um, it, yeah, it was ridiculous. And then he goes into, I, um, I do still, 
I do still love you. Um, his handwriting isn't the greatest. Oh, I do still love you, care for you, and respect you. You wanted me to start dating you again during our separation. Yeah, you know, before you assaulted your child. Oh, my God. I apologize for that not happening. You were probably getting angry over all of this. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> um, you are allowed to have your thoughts and feelings. Oh, gee, gee, thank you. Thank you for the first time. In our marriage, you're allowing me to have my own thoughts and feelings. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And he's just like, I pushed too much. Oh, what? No, you're allowed to have your own thoughts and feelings. I pushed too much at first because I was overwhelmed and I did not give you a chance. I wish you would find it in your heart and soul to give me one last chance. I promise to not hurt you ever again, like I have, and I would never act out again, which obviously we know that's a lie because he has yeah. repeatedly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can make us work and I am willing to keep fighting and working to regain your trust and to work on our happiness. I need you in our, in my life, please with me, not separate. And it goes on just a little bit about, I gave you my heart and soul till death do us part, which again, eerily sounds similar to what he wrote you. Mm -hmm. And let me, let me do the hard work to prove to you, we can make us work. At the end of it all, it comes down to only us and it should only matter and it should not matter what anybody else thinks, just what we both want to have happen. I am sorry I screwed things up so badly. <laughs> I want to make it right. <laughs> so it's four pages. No making that right. Right. And it's four pages of what he wanted. Uh-huh. Of course. And in those four pages, he never once asked about our kids. Never, never asked. apologized for anything genuinely and didn't even want to know how his children were doing. No. And specifically left out my daughter um, from a previous relationship when he says he references the boys, the boys, the boys. Um, and yeah. specifically leaves out my daughter. Like, and wasn't his stepdaughter for her entire life right right pretty much mostly um and then again like again it's all what he wanted and what he could do to get me to agree to what he wanted yep none of it was genuine none of it was genuine and i didn't respond immediately and so then he sent another one and I, I did finally respond and I'm like, you didn't even ask how your own children were doing. You've been in jail for eight months after assaulting your own child and you write me four pages of why I should get back together with you. You done like, lost your mind. Exactly. Exactly. You have completely lost your mind. And I told him, I was like, you know, no, no reconciliation is not on the table i am going through with divorce period you may contact me about the children and that's it 
And so then he sent another letter and the very first sentence, I am writing you to find out how the boys are doing. I've tried calling with no luck. Yes, because I blocked his calls from the jail mm-hmm. and the collect. So you would not have to pay for them. How are they doing with school? Are they still homeschooled? Any more growth spurts? I miss them and love them very much. Please tell them for me. And then he goes back into two more pages of take me back. That is so pathetic. That That is beyond pathetic. Yeah. And he even tried to tell me in this letter. Like you have to be spoon fed literally all the things that you're supposed to be doing that normal people do that good fathers do like absolutely and in this same letter he's he tries to say that he's bipolar and having to accept the fact that he has a mental illness but as we both know he's not bipolar no he's a diagnosed narcissist that one but no he's not bipolar yeah no because and then he's yeah so like the whole fact that just whatever um (laughs) and then he ends the letter going on again about the drama that he has to deal with in the jail like i don't care again i don't give a shit what you're going through you have wreaked havoc on my family on my children on me i don't give a shit what you think you're going through in your jail cell by yourself because you were put in solitary to protect you because you're former law enforcement. I couldn't care less. But even when he got out of jail, I had him served within a couple of days. I think it was within two days um, with divorce paperwork. And my reasoning for waiting until after he was um, released was because if he was still in jail, he would have had the right to a guardian ad litem, which is an attorney to help him because as an inmate being destitute, he wouldn't have had the ability to get an attorney. And so I, based on the advice from my attorney, um, didn't, I waited to serve him until he was released. And then um, I get a letter from him in the mail because again, he's not allowed to come to my house. We still have protective orders. And he is this whole like very aggressive, like we need to just get this done and over with since you're not willing to work it out and blah, 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 blah. But then ends it with like, can we meet? So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll meet with you. I'll, I'll meet with you. And I literally told him everything that had happened over the past year, including, you know, the, one of my children having some difficulties with self-harm and suicidal ideation and how difficult that was going through all the, you know, hospitalizations for that and whatnot and how hard that was for me doing it alone. And he later accused me of lying about that. And so at one point I said we were in the hospital and he had accused me of lying of it. And I said, okay, come down to the hospital and meet me here and you can see for yourself I'm not lying. At the time, I thought I was just trying to prove myself because I didn't understand at that point the mind of a narcissist and how he was just trying to get me to respond and react. So he got his way. He got his way. And But he also saw that I wasn't lying either (laughs) because 
um, even though my kiddo was asleep at the time in the ER, he could see all the marks and everything on his arms from where he had been self-harming. And then I made him leave because I was like, you aren't supposed to be here. And he left, but he was trying to, at that meeting, trying to get me to give him another chance. And I'm like, no, I'm going forward with the divorce. And then he's like, well, fine. Then let's just get it done with as quickly as possible. And then I'm getting ready to leave. And he's like, well, can I at least give you a hug? Um, what? No. Yeah. I was like, no, no. Um, so I'm really glad. (laughs) I'm really, really glad that you never, uh, met with him. Um, when he tried to Hoover you. So let's go ahead and go into your experience with the Hoovering. Now, let me, let me pull this back up here. Um, and let me just note that. Okay. So the, Oh, dang it. It didn't hold where I was. Hold on. Now I have to get back to them. (laughs) (laughs) It always happens that way. Right. Okay. Okay. So this first set, (laughs) um, is from June 1st and the first one he sent. Oh no, I'm sorry. May 31st. Let's when, when, what was the date that you confronted him? Do you happen to remember? I have no idea. It was a day and it was May. And it was approximately two weeks before he reached out to you. It, it was getting towards the end of May. I know that, but I don't remember the exact date. Um, but this first email he sent May 31st. And this um, was basically right after I saw him that first time after kicking him out when I didn't really know yet that I was being followed. Right, right. Um. So this is like right after I, I had seen him, he sent it um, at 446 that evening. And all he said was, do you still have any mail of mine? I would like to receive it. Is that possible? Um, I responded that I emailed him that I dropped it off at the post office last week and um, that there were two pieces of mail that were being like returned to the post office that day and then he goes this shows right here and you know watching the app thing and still checking what was coming to my box yeah which is invasive Mm -hmm. he said what about the voter registration card where is that the post office does does not hold mail i went there already and then um I said, it's not in the pile with the rest. If you're still living in town, um, I gave him the new voter location and told him that he can come get what is his from the and told me that it sounded like there wouldn't be any issue with him, you know, picking up his mail from the mail uh, from the post office. And then uh, 
So I, okay. After that one, I asked him, so you don't have a new address yet to change. How long can I expect you to want to swing by for mail? And he didn't respond to that. Of course not. Um, but then on the first on June first, which I, I think is a Friday night, right? I'd have to. Yeah, I think so. I, if I, I remember, I so. you said he emailed during your his break during his shift, and I think it was a Friday. Because the, the next day you found your tires flat. No, that was the fourth. So this would have been like what, what like a Wednesday? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, I missed an email in there. Oh my God. <laughs> he was trying. <laughs> um, he must have sent it from work because this was June 1st at 10.48 p.m. This is the, the one that's going to sound very familiar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Michelle, I am asking for another chance. Please hear me out. Please don't judge me solely on my past. I did some very stupid things. I can't change the past. And I have and am learning from my mistakes. So as Mm -hmm. to not repeat them ever again. Sure, Um, sure. (laughs) I know I would not cheat on you ever. I regret the cheating that I did before while I was repeat it ever for over two years I tried to be the best person I could for myself and you I was trying to show you that was the real me best person possible it was not an illusion it was not fake I gave 100% of my heart and soul to you my situation of having misdemeanors and he only says misdemeanors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how I treated you from the beginning I was being genuine. I regret not fully disclosing. I feel ashamed. I would. It was not intentional. I was not trying to deceive oh, you either. Not intentional. You said uh-huh. that it was. <laughs> you said bipolar. Exactly. Your diagnosis is narcissistic personality disorder. How is that not intentional? Exactly. <laughs> mind-boggling you either uh-huh okay all right moving on i did not try to lie to you about the incident with c mm-hmm. i told you what happened and did not try to cover any of it up i know you were informed of the other side of the incident with c i did the not uh-huh i did not <laughs> go there with the intention of getting physical with anyone it was wrong of me. I would not let that happen again. Um, for over two years, we formed a love that was building and genuine. We were a great couple, and I would like that again. I miss you and so much more. You oh made me God. feel loved and wanted. I Blech. hope I did the same for you. I know, right? Puke, puke, puke. Um, <laughs> Uh, Then he said, you kept telling me I was perfect for you. You were perfect for me. I am begging for another chance and for your forgiveness. I am sorry my ex-wife and her friend dropped all kinds of stuff on you about me and my past from when I was married. 
oh gosh darn somebody actually <laughs> exposed you for the liar that you are <laughs> the thing is that is the past that is in the past I have moved on from it and am trying oh, sure. to become a better person I can't forget it but I know I won't repeat those events again please consider giving me another chance to show you I was real with my feelings towards you and it was not an illusion. I am not asking to move back in. I just, just a chance to repair our relationship. If you will let me, please let me know your thoughts. I would like the opportunity to discuss this face to face if possible. I am not a bad person, just a good person that made some very poor choices, someone that is still trying to better themselves and not repeat my past mistakes. I live in the present for the future, not the past. Please, I beg you to consider me, consider giving me another chance. I will do whatever it takes and whatever you say for the opportunity. Love, Matt. <laughs> okay, before I moved on to the rest. <laughs> okay, let me get that out of my system. <laughs> I just, you know, I live in the present and the future. Cool. Everybody's living in the present and the future, but that doesn't mean that it absolves you of responsibility and accountability of the abuse and the damage and the trauma that you caused. Exactly. So I didn't respond to that one. Um, and then he, on the third, for us to talk. So that when the Friday night, um, I didn't get that message until the fourth, which was yeah. morning. So at 8.35 a.m., I reply, no, in caps with a bunch of exclamations. He said, why not? And I replied, now, before I read this, this is, like, right before um, right, right. I went outside and realized that he had slashed my tires for the first time. Um, he had asked why not, and I said, Matt, because I'm not interested in talking to you or seeing you ever again, here's what's going to happen. You have two pieces of mail that are scheduled to be delivered today. You can come to the mailbox only at 145, not earlier or later to get it. Beyond that, if you ever contact me again in any form, come near my home again, come near anyone in my family or who is part of my household again, I will press harassment charges against you. If you force me to contact the police, I will make sure you they know you are in violation of good behavior. Michelle. And then about 10 minutes later was when I'm, like he had texted me back that, or I'm sorry, emailed me back the why not after he'd already been here and slashed the tires. <laughs> that just, I, and I think the reason he did that and he slashed your tires is because he was hoping you would think why, I don't know, because of course, yeah, you're going to think anybody else but him. But he was thinking that you would think your safety was in danger. Some creepy stalker that you had no idea about was somehow yeah, just... But him was all of a sudden going to come on my property, slap <laughs> my tires, and then he could come be the knight in shining armor, I guess, to rescue me. Please, I am not right. that stupid. Right. 
Right. And, and that's the thing is he constantly thinks that we're that stupid. And the hilarious thing is, no, dude, you're that stupid. You're that stupid. Like when he tried to break into the house that I was living in with another man, he legitimately thought that I wouldn't know it was him. Or when he put mail in my mailbox with no stamp on it, that I would think somehow the mail service just forgot the stamp on there. Uh-huh. Like, I- I'm like, you're, you're really not this stupid, are you? Are you really this fucking stupid? And That's the yeah. thing I don't get. Like, in some ways, you know, he is smart and calculated. Yeah. And- like that but overall like how dumb can you be you know yeah I mean and I think it's it's not that he's not capable it's that he just lets his emotions rule everything so much that he just convinces his himself that what he's doing is gonna work like yeah threatening me with the police and CPS is going to make me want to run back into your arms. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I know he's, he's capable, capable of reasoning with himself, but he gets so emotional that all reason and all intelligence goes out the window. Yeah. Because he has no emotional intelligence and he can't control those emotions. So whatever it is at the time, that he doesn't know how to deal with, he's projecting and lashing out on everybody else because that's all he knows how. Right, right. And that's because that's all he did do. Anytime he was angry, and and you never got to see that side of him until after you kicked him out, but anytime he was angry, he would lash out at me. Or like if he had a freaking fight with his girlfriends, he would lash out at me or he would lash out at the kids. Or if he was angry because I didn't want to have sex one night, he would lash out at the kids or whatever, or me, which it was always me, but like that he's not capable of managing and handling his emotions at all, at all. And so then we have shit like this. And now he's got a court date coming up next month, you know, in a few weeks for the nine new charges because he's such a child throwing a tantrum that he can't handle his emotions. Exactly. And that entire thing, it wasn't even, it could have been what we just said, but really what it came down to is I didn't respond enough that pissed him off yeah and so here he was (laughs) within hours within hours you didn't respond quickly enough so you know what it's been oh you know four hours so i'm gonna go slash her tires out of retaliation grow the fuck up you know (laughs) yeah but yeah so that i guess for us that's that's how hoovering looked like for us it it had a lot of threats underlying false promises um straight out lies and more manipulation and the main thing as far as all the letters um me 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 me. of exactly that lack of accountability for anything and it's what he wants to see happen and yada yada yeah 
yeah, I mean, it's just, and he's incapable of change. And most narcissistic abusers are very, very rare. Does someone with NPD have the ability to be self-aware? Um, I only know of maybe a handful and that's because I have kind of sought them out in the TikTok healing community for narcissistic abuse. But in general, um, number one, a lot of them won't take any um, self, they won't have any self-awareness because they will refuse to go to therapy or a psychiatrist in order to get assessed and diagnosed. So yeah, there's not a ton that are out there diagnosed. Yeah, there's not a ton out there diagnosed because they refuse to go like even admit that they have any type of issue whatsoever. So they'll go undiagnosed. And those who are diagnosed, which again is rare, they're not willing to be self-aware and they're not willing to take accountability. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is they're just not willing. Nope. They don't see any problem with themselves and how they treat people. Which is a shame because they can be great people. They really, really can. Cause you know, again, like our marriage wasn't always bad. There was more bad than there was good, but there was some good. Your relationship was good while his mask was on. Yeah. They're but the capable. whole fake. So in my eyes, no, I didn't have a good relationship. I right. had two and a half of what I who I had a relationship with didn't exist. Exactly. And exactly, exactly. But he could have been capable if he had just been honest with you. Yeah. But his lack of accountability, his lack of honesty, and frankly, his lack of respect for women in general. Exactly. Make it in his mind that it's okay to lie to women, to disrespect women, to hide who he truly is, and to pretend to be someone who he, who he isn't for as long as he needs to in order to trap them. So it's just that lack of unwillingness to be self-aware and to take accountability. Um, but yeah, I guess that that's going to be a wrap for us on yes. the hovering <laughs> attempts. Um, we could go into a lot more in depth, but you know, um, good for right now. And that hit the yeah. points. Uh, <laughs> I think we did. It's the similarities between your letter and my email and like, they rinse and repeat the same stuff. Yep. And the bottom line, hoovering is manipulation. And they yes. will say and do whatever they can in order to manipulate you and in order to not lose control over you. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great night. <laughs> Bye.